0: You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry.
1: Hi, I'm Lisa Keefe, editor in chief of Meeting Place and Alt Meat. Welcome to this month's Meeting Pod episode dedicated to the meat alternatives market. Two years ago, Meeting Pod spoke with Kevin Ryan, founder of Malachite Partners, a CPG strategy consulting firm which sits at the intersection of anthropology and food science. At the time, Kevin talked about consumers' excitement about alternative meats and how the new technologies actually connected with their histories and with deep-seated human needs. A lot has changed in the alt meat sector since then and for consumers in general. Kevin joined me for a follow up conversation about where the industry and consumers' demands are now. Spoiler alert the alt meat industry has a bright future ahead of it, even if it's not the future you think it is. Thank you again, Kevin, for joining us on the Meeting Pod podcast to discuss the alternative meats category. We spoke a little over two years ago, and in that conversation, you had expressed a certain disdain for things that were seen as trends and here it is twenty twenty three and a lot of people are now dismissing alt meat and all the various kinds of alt meats as a trend. Do you see it that way?
0: Well, I mean, to kind of reflect back on what I said two years ago about trends, I mean, it was more it's it's really the idea that we take trends as being this flashy thing and people divorce it from the underlying meaning. And I think that is partially still true of alt-meat in the sense of people took it as a, you know, they were just looking at the substance and the product or the brand in many ways and divorcing it from the underlying social, cultural category drivers that were really there. So I think one of the reasons why everyone is so, in many ways... Saying that the category is all oh, you know they're, they're wringing their hands over the whole category is because they focus so much on the one product or the one brand or whatever it may be and fail to see the underlying drivers, which I think that's important because then you'll really see where it's going
1: have those underlying drivers changed in the last couple of years, or are they the same things that we discussed two years ago
0: I think they're're they're still the same you know I mean it's funny because I'll make a strange analogy here. When I see alt meat or alt protein in general, I kind of think of cereal. And that's a weird description, but you have to kind of pull back from a time perspective. When cereal was first invented, it was a religious, world shaking thing, right? So cereal was invented, you know, Kellogg and all that kind of stuff at sanitariums. And it was imbued with a, mystical quality. It was going to save the country's dyspepsia. That's what they called it. That Everyone had problems with their intestines from eating food that was processed. That's what they said at the time. I mean, so it sounds kind of sounds familiar. So you all would come to the sanitarium and Kellogg would you know, set you straight by having this literally manna from heaven. That was actually one of the products originally post-toasties was called Elijah's manna. That was literally what it was first called, and they changed the name. I had no idea. Yes. But the reason I draw a comparison, and that seems like a strange comparison, is is that when all protein first started, it was going to save the world. It was this very high-level thing. And that's really what was the escape velocity that got it into everyone's mind. Like, it really became this thing that everyone in the country became obsessed with. Like, wow, this is the product that is going to change the way that we interact. We're going to conveniently be able to have breakfast in the morning that's not heavy. And we'll be able to get on with our day. Well, that kind of fell apart in many different ways. It wasn't everything it said it was. But at the end of the day, when they took cereal and took it back to the drawing board and basically said, what are the other benefits underneath here? well, there was a lot, right? Yes, it is good for your health in some ways, but they also then started marketing it to kids or marketing it to busy moms or whatever it may be. So the idea being is is that I think we've gone through this phase of it's going to save the world. It is the one thing that is going to turn around greenhouse gases, is going to turn around all that stuff. And it's like, no, that's not going to be the answer, right? So we've gone past that. And I think we are now, and you probably have heard people say this, we're in the the trough of disillusionment and all this kind of stuff. I think we're just in a moment, just like cereal was, where we now have to reconsider the benefits. Now that it's in everyone's consciousness, everyone knows that alt meat exists and that you know you can have it. What are the other benefits? And that's where it'll really start gaining traction.
1: That's interesting because I still see an awful lot of that. We're going to save the world messaging. Yes. So has the industry moved? into a new phase and the messaging is no longer applicable or doesn't fit the job that this product is doing right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's really kind of a secondary message of what I'm saying, which is, you know, when you really look at the data, there is a small group of folks that are really environmentally minded, really sustainability minded, and so much so that that is their primary reason for buying a product. But that's not majority of people. In fact, it is a very, very small group of people. In fact, most people, and you know, it changes by generation, but even your Gen Z or millennial consumer, the majority, they see sustainability as a nice thing to have, but it's not the main driver of decision at shelf. And I worry that too many are, that becomes their main focus and it's like if that's your main focus and you really think everybody is going to pay premium for that and that becomes everything that you say that's going to really drive a lot of it because that's not really why i think we need to lean into other things we need to lean into other benefits other jobs you know as we said and then have sustainability and all that kind of stuff as a tertiary benefit which i don't think a lot of companies are doing because i think they've Really latched on to the sustainability aspect, and I think they'd really talk to this core consumer that is just not everybody. In fact, it's not even the minority.
1: <laughs> so, as we've been talking about this idea of jobs to be done, which is something that we discussed two years ago, right? Has the job that alt meat consumers have turned to alt meat to do for them has that job changed?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think a job can be functional, social, emotional. And I think a lot of people at first picked it up for a job of almost an entertainment, a novelty-based. It was like, oh, that's interesting. Or it was, I want a vegetarian or vegan offering when my brother-in-law comes to town and he's you know he doesn't eat meat or my son doesn't eat meat and I want to make sure he's eating something in the house. So that those are all there. But I think as people have seen it around and gotten more used to it and enjoyed the taste, I think it starts fitting into, well, I want to have more vegetables in my diet or I want to have something else. So I think it may be expanding. Although to be able to get to that You know, we do, and I think we talked about this last time as well, it has to get to, it's not a super uh, price premium. It's more available, which a lot of that has happened. You've seen some prices come down. You've seen a lot more distribution happen. So I think that the jobs are splintering. You know, you're seeing a lot of different jobs, not just like a sustainability aspect.
1: So, what should Alt Meat's messaging be now, do you think, from that consumer and the way our whole society has changed in the last two years? <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. been an awful lot of, besides just Alt Meat that's been changing where the consumer is in their purchase process.
0: Right. I think, as it's in addition to our family's healthier meals, it's not a complete replacement. And this you see this with dairy as well. You see a many I mean I've been in many consumer households where you see regular milk and almond milk right in the same fridge and that's fine. I think it's the same thing with having meat and having alt meat in the same fridge and that is fine. I think having this idea that you're going to have a replacement probably not going to happen but it also raises the probably controversial specter of I don't think they've done it, but I'm sure you're aware. A tattooed chef talked about we're going to put meat into our products. I actually think that's a good idea. I actually think that's okay. a good idea, which is a controversial topic because people say, oh my gosh. But I think that you have to imagine who they're really talking to. And I think, again, it goes back to the cereal conversation, which is are you talking to, and I use this word with air quotes, the zealot, you know, someone who is like, oh my gosh, this is going to change the world. I am. Full on vegan. I'm going to do that. And a lot of the data shows that's not who alt meat is really talking to. It's talking to the flexitarian who wants to eat a little bit healthier, all that kind of stuff. And in that case, just having plant based or some sort of alternative is fine. And if you had some meat that maybe still fit the standards, that you want in the same package, that might be okay, which I know kind of goes against some of the thought, but I actually think that's okay. So I think for the producers, I think reimagining and getting closer to that consumer and saying, okay, what do they really want? And is, are, you know, the taboos that we thought were taboo, are they really taboo or is that okay?
1: It's interesting because as you're discussing this, and I'm thinking all along, we've sort of seen. I think I have seen the alternative meat and the meat industry is sort of becoming, not converging yet, but moving closer to one another because they're aiming at the same consumer and the meat industry is moving to fit more of those environmental requirements that consumers are becoming aware of. And I think that we will ultimately, somewhere down the line, see these two merge pretty closely. And I think that we're going to see the companies converging. I think we're going to see an awful lot of consolidation in the industry coming up in the next couple of years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And I think there's a lot more synergy than people originally thought because of that and because who they're talking to and because of a lot of the messaging that they can do. I think it's completely possible. And again, it's already happening. I've had conversations with folks and I'm just, you know, I've told them something similar to this and I'm saying, you know, Starbucks has a breakfast sandwich with impossible and then it has real cheese on top. And I think you can even get one with a real egg on top. So it's like, it happens. You can do this, you know? And it's like, there's something about the idea that I want to be a little bit better in my health choices at some point. And for those folks that are doing that, they see the impossible as a better health choice. Now, of course, All lines have to point that way. And what I mean by that is people are concerned about, is it better? Is it healthier? And all that stuff, which is something, of course, the industry needs to really answer.
1: Do you think that that is messaging that has been lacking up until now? Because now there was such a health halo around it for such a long time. And now, you know, the pendulum swings and... American consumers love nothing more than to knock the leader off the front of the, you know. So there's, I think there's a little bit of that going on too, but do you find that that perception of health and then the concern over the process nature of it, are we going to wind up somewhere in between with consumers in terms of understanding where alt meat's strengths and where its weaknesses might be and where it fits into their diets?
0: Yes, I do. I do think that there, I mean, I cannot have conversations with consumers about this topic without them saying, I'm a little concerned about the processed aspect of ALT protein, especially, you know, like maybe the more ground meats and things like that, meat alternatives, because they've been either told that or they're reading the back or whatever, which is why you're starting to see, I think, a rise in single ALT ingredient labels or, you know, ingredient labels that are just a few things like mushrooms... And things like that, because it's so simple and gives you similar texture, or at least you know, close, you're starting, I think, because of that. I think that's where it's, which means that for the alt-meat companies that are doing ground meat and things like that, I think they're going to have to answer that. Why is it healthy if it has that many ingredients or has that much saturated fat or whatever it may be that people are concerned about? And then, of course, there'll be another conversation when we get to cultured as well.
1: And that's going to be a very intriguing when the regulators get to whatever it is that they're going to actually do about this and when they actually do it. I think it's going to be very interesting. It's going to upend, I think, a lot of other things that are going on in the market. Yes. What, What kinds of jobs do we think that cultivated meat, now that we're X amount closer to it than we were when we talked two years ago, what are some of the jobs that a cultivated meat will do for consumers that maybe two years ago weren't quite as obvious.
0: There's definitely going to be the higher on Maslow's type of things, you know, which is going to be your sustainability, your ethical aspect of it, you know, for people that don't want to feel like an animal was involved in in at least a way that they would see as as harmful, you know, for that consumer. Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely going to be those. I think for the majority of people, it comes to a much more visceral level, which is it tastes a lot more like meat. It acts a lot more like meat. I don't have to change my mom's recipe to make this. I do think that's where it all comes back to, and I feel that's where you know, if the taste and the performance and all of that thing, that's really what it's going to be. And then potentially, and I know this is years away, but you know, if cost, that will be the main thing. And I know that's a that's a little further away right now. We can barely make a chicken breast without being thousands of dollars. But
1: (laughs) yeah, it's going to be a while. But the technology is. Fascinating.
0: It is fascinating.
1: So right now, if we're going through this sort of trough of disillusionment, how long do we normally expect those periods of disillusionment to last in the food industry before consumers sort of start to come back around to maybe a more normalized understanding of the market?
0: Yeah. Usually, I mean, it changes depending on the category, of course, and, you know, everything else, but we're move, we move pretty quick today, you know, I mean, versus years ago. So it's harder to make an analogy to something from years ago. However, I would say it's probably maybe a year or two before we start really seeing it start to come. And it all depends on what we see in the shift in who's owning what brand and how that brand is messaging, that kind of thing. I think that's going to make a big deal. Because I'm sure that all the brands that have a lot of investment in this are going to spend a lot of time really rethinking what we were just talking about, which is what are the main benefits? How are we going to talk about this differently? What do we need to emphasize and what do we need to de-emphasize? I think you'll slowly start to see the pendulum go back, I think, to a positive realm. The other thing, and I, you know, this is not for nothing in many ways, is the technology that has evolved around. Alt meat production, alt protein production, I think is the fringe benefit that becomes the major benefit
1: in many ways.
0: I really do. Well, it's kind of like, I don't know if you remember years ago that you had in the restaurant industry, you had molecular gastronomy. I don't know if you remember molecular gastronomy, which was, you know, you could go and spend $500 for a meal and you'd get foam and you could get mists and everything. And it was kind of, Goofy and fun, and you know, it was very expensive. And everyone kind of said, Oh, that's a plaything for the rich, and all this kind of stuff. But the thing is, is that really cool innovation, really long lasting innovation always starts off looking like a toy or like a plaything. Today, though, when you go to the restaurant industry and you go to even to manufacturing, a lot of the technologies that were really developed in that time period of molecular gastronomy utilizing gels and utilizing that actually has inserted itself into the food industry in a more enhanced way than other, Like this, the, this possibility of, I mean, even I believe that even like the advancement of like people being okay with like bobo tea. Yes, there is the Taiwanese aspect of it, of course, you know, that's where it came from. But just like the idea of, Raising it to a consciousness of having different textures and all that kind of stuff in there and being able to produce it and being all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of really interesting technology. And I say that because within alt-meat, there was so much interesting technology that had to be developed in order for alt-meat to actually – alt-protein actually to make it to market – you got impossible extracting heme from soybeans and all this kind of stuff. There's really interesting technology and processing, I think, that was invented that I think will work its way into other aspects of the food industry. So it's kind of like, you know, we have Velcro shoes because we went to the moon. You know, if you've ever heard someone say that, because NASA invented Velcro. It's like, okay, well, that's cool. It's like, what did we learn from alt protein production in manufacturing that is going to be slowly inserted into the rest of food manufacturing?
1: And that right there sounds like a great idea for a feature story for Altmead. <laughs> I, I thank you again for your time today, Kevin, and to reconnect on what's going on in the Altmeat industry and in consumers' minds. So we'll look at another year, maybe two years, and we will be out of this trough of disillusionment and flying high once again.
0: I hope so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you very much.
0: All right, thank you, Lisa.
1: I look forward to seeing how the alt-meat technologies change the business of food production over time. Our thanks to Kevin for sharing his thoughts with us again. You can read more on the future of all the alt-proteins on our website at alt-meat.net. Registration is free. You can also go there to subscribe to our daily newsletter and print magazine dedicated to the business of alternative meats.